Hi, this is Patrick Finley. He's Jason Leisure. Welcome to Hallis Intrigue, the Chicago Sun-Times Bears podcast. Jason, in this episode, we will talk about a win, an upset win, 19-10 against the 49ers. We'll talk about what it means and about what Justin Fields showed us or didn't show us. All of that next on Hallis Intrigue. Jason, you and I are sitting here in the Soldier Field press box a couple of hours after the Bears' 19-10 victory against the 49ers in, what do we call it, a monsoon? Not uh, right now. It's beautiful. <laughs> like It poured and just ruined. Let me tell you, if you somehow didn't see this, literally ruined the field starting at probably 7 a.m. this morning. And then, I don't know, Pat, half an hour after the game was over, it was perfect. It was beautiful. Just beautiful. Yeah. Just classic wonderful Chicago uh, September afternoon. But, yeah, it was bad, man. And if you saw it on TV or if you were at the game, you saw one way or another that the conditions were terrible. There was standing water all over the field. We got to a point where you couldn't make out the yard lines. And uh, apparently Fox superimposed all the hash marks. So you could, it looked like like old-school Nintendo. Right. Well, it, it was integrated so poorly in the fourth quarter uh, that – you know, we have a pretty nice view of 10 skyscrapers from the press box here, you know, up through the, the northwest side of the stadium. And I think I could see two with about five minutes left. It was cloudy. It was rainy. By the end of the game, the field had become one giant puddle. I, I think, though, in the first half, I, I think it's it held up okay. Because the rain let up. The yeah, rain, right. The rain poured all the way up until kickoff. And then it kind of, it still rained, but not as much. And then when it started coming down heavy again in the fourth quarter, you saw it fall apart. It's so bizarre. I, I don't want to keep harping on just this particular issue of the grass because that's not what everyone is listening for today. But it's so surreal right now to be sitting here looking. We are ta- we are looking down at the field from a box as we talk to you guys. It looks great. It does. It looks fantastic well, right now. Well, and there's a difference. you know. A couple hours after the game, it looks wonderful. The the Bears swapped in a, a new kind of grass, a Bermuda, I think that's for warmer weather. Uh, this week when they resodded, they'd always planned to resod. I don't think the grass was the issue today. The drainage was the issue today. Yeah. And, and quite honestly, it rained so hard, especially in the fourth quarter, I don't know if there are fields somewhere in the world that would have done a better job draining all that out. I presume there are because I, oh, I, I know what Soldier Field are. You assume it's, that they might not be. I assume there anywhere else it's going to go better than it did here. Right, but it was uh, it made for, I, I assume, really cool TV if you were watching anywhere but Chicago where you were probably bucketing out your yeah. basement while seeing the Bears win 19-10. to 10. Jason, the weather had so much to do with the way this game was played or not played, right. as it were. Uh, that I wonder whether we can read too much into it. But before we before we go there, let's at least recap what Justin Fields was able to do uh, to help the Bears score 19 points in the last 26 minutes of the game. Well, he took advantage of what was given to him, and that's what you need to do. Mm-hmm. That's the story of this whole game, Pat. I, they beat a team that's better than them, I think. I think much. I suspect much better. Than by them. the end of it, yeah. you'll probably see that, yes, by the end of the season. But that's... You take what's given to you. I think a lot of times you look at these games and you want to try to extrapolate, well, what does it mean about where they're at and where they're headed? That isn't always going to be clear, and it's not clear in a game like this. This is a game where Trey Lance, the 49ers quarterback, was horrible. Mm-hmm. The Bears had key takeaways when they needed them. Punching out a fumble uh, in the first quarter that saved a touchdown, probably. It was at the, yeah, at their own 12. Yep. And then Eddie Jackson basically gift wrapping the offense a touchdown with an interception 
in the fourth quarter at the other end. So all these things, you know, blown coverage, their big play of the day, the Bears' big play of the day was the 51-yard touchdown pass from Fields to Dante Pettis. That's not a great play. Mm-hmm. That's a broken play. The 49ers completely busted their coverage, and Justin Fields threw a pop-up across his, across the field from the left side to the right side to Pettis all, all alone and ran in. So they took advantage of all these things that were handed to them. But that is what you should do. That doesn't discredit <laughs> the performance. It, I just can't look at this and be like, oh, okay, this they're, they're a team that beats the 49ers. This is where this season is headed. No, no, you can't. And you know, you, do you remember when we were kids and you'd play touch football with your friends? Yes. And, you know, you, you'd sit there and you'd draw either in the dirt or I'd draw in my hand just mm-hmm. with my finger. Okay, you slant out, post, whatever. Yes. And eventually you get frustrated and you go, just snap me the ball, run around, you go get open. That's what the Bears offense felt like to me in the second half was they said, Justin, run around for a little bit and we'll see what happens. There was obviously more structure put into it than that, but it didn't feel that way. Um, and you know, this is something I might want to get into for the newspaper on Tuesday, but that was a scramble drill in which Dante Pettis got open. Do you remember yep. what Darnell Mooney said during training camp about scramble drills? It's impossible to forget. You forget. No, it's impossible to forget because he said what he said, and it was so profound, is that we practiced them this year. (laughs) We didn't really practice them under Matt Nagy. Shocking to learn that they didn't practice this when this is the type of quarterback. And it's not shocking to hear another reason why Matt Nagy didn't really understand how to work with Justin Fields Mm -hmm. and his skill set. But yes, the Bears practice this. And yes, I think that they're going to be good at it given the players they have. Darnell Mooney is a really smart instinctive player he's fast he's going to be able to find in that scenario he's going to be he wasn't today but he's going to be the guy that can see the opening before anyone else does and get to it and get the ball probably but pat that's that is a really uh perilous path forward for the (laughs) offense to say this is going to be the basis of how we succeed it would be i mean it would be as though you and I got a Fabergé egg and decided that we were just going to play catch with it until something happened. Like, you can't let Justin Fields run around and 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 expose himself to, to the kind of contact uh, that, that he's going to expose himself to. He took two hits today that were flagged. Yeah, and, and you know, and they got, they got lucky. We'll talk about the flags here in a minute. But, you know, David Montgomery is going to run for, what did he run 26 for? 26 yards on 17 carries. That is 1.5 yards per carry for David Montgomery. The Bears can't live in this world where they can't run the football. Uh, Khalil Herbert was a little bit better, but, you know, the majority. They were still collectively, all of them, Pat, were under three yards. They were 2.7 yards per carry as an offense. And that's counting Justin Fields Justin Fields running, which was, the. I mean, he was, what, he was 11 for 28? Yes. Uh, yeah, they need, they need to run the ball. They need to establish a reason to make teams afraid of their run because that's where the play action and the screen game comes from. That didn't happen today, but again, I'm willing to kind of throw out a lot of the strategy points today just because if you're playing in a downpour like that, there's really only so much you can do. You should, and there's a lot of urgency with this season. There's a lot of urgency with you want to... The Bears need to know, let alone what the rest of us want to know. The Bears need to know if Justin Fields is their answer. They need to see that Matt Eberflus can manage an offense and a defense as a true head coach, as a, given that he's got only a defensive background. But how much can you really take from this game when you, you know that they are adjusting their strategy 
this could have been sloppy either way. Right. Even on a good field, whatever, uh, when you're in your debut, when you're Justin Fields in his first real game in the new offense, and they've been working at it for a while, but it's not going to click right away probably, no matter what, even in ideal conditions. But now you have this, and you've known all week this is coming, so you're adjusting your game plan to fit this, and Justin Fields starts the game barehanded on his throwing hand, then goes to gloves because that's not working. And you saw in his first pass of the game, it was a little dump off or a screen or whatever to David Montgomery. It almost got intercepted. Very yeah. short pass. Right. And it fluttered so awkwardly and inaccurately that it made sense when you hear him say later, yeah, it's play to play as far as whether or not you can actually grip the ball. So Justin Fields then, in those conditions, when he's playing a game in which it varies from play to play whether he really has control over the ball that he's throwing and can really even physically put it where he wants to put it. He goes 8 for 17, 121 yards, 85 passer rating. That sounds like a Mitch Trubisky type mm-hmm. game, but you have to take into account that this was not normal in any way, what was going on on the right. field. And I, I suspect that next week uh, on Sunday night in Green Bay is when we'll find out whether the Bears' offense always looks like it's running in mud or just happened to run in mud here. <laughs> yes. Although right, yeah. although uh, the Packers lost 23-7 to in Minnesota today, so the Packers will be upset, and maybe they're just not very good. That's a podcast for a different day. Jason, I want to talk about discipline real quick. It's not a sexy topic, but it's something that Matt Eberflus spent all offseason talking about. You know, this hits system over and over again. Hustle, intensity, takeaways, smarts. The S is for smart. The S is for smart. Um, and the and as someone, I think it might have been Joe Lewis uh, mm-hmm. brought up in the introductory press conference right. that the smart part is not exactly how things have been done here at no, Dallas Hall. No. Yeah, and as somebody else has written, I think you and I may have both made this pun at some point. You just don't want to rearrange those letters because that might produce uh, something a, a little worse. It's a whole different philosophy if the S goes in front. <laughs> um, he preached discipline. He preached intensity. If you look at I think the reason that the Bears were able to hang around in the first half when they were horrible today, it was the difference in penalties and the difference in takeovers or turnovers. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Bears had four penalties for something like 23 yards today. The 49ers had uh, 99 yards worth of penalties. So that's, you know, 75 yard difference right there. The Bears had two takeaways. The 49ers had one. These are small. These are things that aren't attractive, things that you can't put on a T-shirt. But these are things that Matt Nagy's teams didn't do. Oh, they were piling up penalties. Yeah, yeah. But also those takeaways, Pat. While we, but since you mentioned that, both of those really came at just ideal times. Sure. Jalen Johnson punching the ball loose at what was it, the six or the twelve yard line to save 12. a touchdown. Yeah, it's the first drive of the game. Eddie Jackson getting one that sets up the game ceiling touchdown. Yeah. I mean, those are really, really, really impeccable, impeccably timed. Takeaways. But the penalties were two. I mean, I believe the Bears had six first downs via the run, four via the pass, and five via 49er penalty. That's insane. Yeah, when you look at the when you look at their ten biggest plays of the game, the ten biggest plays the Bears had, I think three of them were penalty aided, and two of them significantly. Two of them were Justin Fields runs, one for one yard, one for negative one yard, and both got an extra 15 and a first down tacked on because well, of late hit. And, and this is, these are sins of commission, not sins of omission here. This isn't the Bears throw the ball deep and the 49ers commit P.I. and, oh, magically, the Bears now yes. have the ball to five. This isn't you doing something. No, this is this is the 49ers being actively stupid. And again, and, when you get a team that is incompetent, mm-hmm. uh, an opponent that's incompetent and actively stupid, as you yeah. 
coined that beautiful phrase, then it you should take advantage of that you and win. And nobody nobody faults you for that. Like take sure. that and that that is a win. It's just we're sitting here trying to figure out could you keep doing it this way? I don't think well I don't think you keep doing it if Justin Fields is gonna play like that. No, and their offense in general. The Bears are gonna be outclassed in terms of talent in most of the games they play this year. You know, I said to you at some point today, I thought the 49ers coming in might add 15 of the best 20 players on the field at any given yeah. time. Uh, you know, that'll certainly be the case with the Packers. It probably won't be with the Texans. But these are the kind of margins that you need to succeed in just to give yourself a chance. You need... Yeah. Don't you, shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah, you need to, to not be penalized. You need to not uh, turn the ball over. And you also need to not take a towel out on the field uh, See, before you, an extra point or before up, a field goal. When you brought up playing smart and disciplined, there there were some problems in that area too. Yeah, and you know there was a fair catch by Dante Pettis that should have been that he did not call a fair catch. He got thrown to the ground. Um, I think there was a one the other way around too. Right with him. Yeah, where he had a good ten yards in front of him and he did. But you know the one that I think people will talk about the most was the towel towel gate. What do we call it? Towel. How about just the towel incident? The, Everything doesn't have to have a gate. The towel. Right? Can we can we la fair towel? Can we? Call it an affair. Do you want me to explain to people what happened, or do you want to keep trying to speak French? Or? Yeah. Uh, the Bears were lining up for a 44-yard field goal with about uh, 30 seconds uh, left in the first half. This would have been their only points to this. This yes. was the first time they'd even made it past their own 35. Yeah. Matt Eberflus talked about a spectacular drive that they put together <laughs> to get there. I don't believe it, but they had four decent plays. Uh, so Trenton Gill, the punter, uh, walks out with a towel. Uh, and as they're lining up, he and kicker Cairo Santos put the towel down on the field where they're, where the ball is going to be spotted for the field goal attempt. Uh, Gill kind of pushes down on the towel. Cairo Santos kind of stomps his feet down. And a flag comes out. And the flag is for what, Jason? Personal foul on the punter. You yes. don't hear that a lot. It's an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty because they ruled that the Bears were using a foreign object on the field. Is that why you were speaking French? There we go. Well, okay, there you go. All right. A foreign object on the field. And come to find out, after being the pool reporter to talk to uh, the referee after the game, I can bring a towel on the field, and I can wipe my person with it. I can wipe your person with it, probably. But I can't use it on the field. I can use my hand on the field. I can't use a towel. Cairo Santos after the game says, hey, this is my fault. I'm the veteran, not the rookie. I think he's saying this just to cover for the rookie. But he says, I wasn't trying to dry anything because it was raining. Of course, it wouldn't stay dry. I was trying to tamp down the grass, which is legal if you're using your feet or your hands, but is not illegal when, or, but is not legal when you're using a towel. Does that make sense? And have we now spent more time talking about towels than we should? I, we have not spent more time talking about this than we should because th- this cost them three points. Uh, a chance, at the, a chance. Field at goal. I mean, they ended up punting that instead right. of trying the forty-six yard field goal or whatever it was. And if the game had continued to go that way, I mean, that might have been <laughs> that might have been the thing that you remember from this game is that the one time they had a chance at points, they blew it over a towel. Well, <laughs> last year, I mean, the Matt Nagy era, you know, the way it went last year, this would have fit right in, wouldn't oh, it? Yeah. I mean, you know, this is shades of John Fox challenging a, a dive at the pylon only for the ball, them to rule that the ball should go to the Packers instead. This is one of those dumb Bears moments that fits right in with the last, you know, decade or so of ineptitude that they've had. Uh, and they somehow overcame it, or it somehow became something that, that Trenton Gill was able to sit in his locker and laugh about. 
And, you know, and he said that he didn't know that you couldn't do it, that he'll never do it again. And I asked him, is this something you did in college? He said, no, I never played in a game in college like this, you know, with, with standing water on the field. No. So, you know, it's, I, I guess, live and learn, but it's a penalty that I've never seen before. And yeah. I don't. Go ahead. You seem cynical about Cairo Santos stepping in to take the blame for it. Cairo Santos has been in the league for like 10 years. Mm -hmm. So he should know every rule about that job and about that situation. You're a kicker. If you're a kicker or a punter and if you don't know every rule about your job, your job is such a tiny sliver of the game. Yes, Yes. right. Somebody told Trenton Gill to do that. It may not have been Cairo Santos. Maybe it was Richard Hightower. If the Bears end up losing this game... Like, we would spend the next four days investigating this at Hallis Hall like we did over the, the Hashmark right. fiasco with Eddie Pinheiro against the Chargers a few years ago. Um, I want to talk about the the way things were distributed offensively. Okay. When you look at the run game, you look at the pass game, you notice right away, down the stretch, the running game, the ball is going to Khalil Herbert. Mm-hmm. That's a little unexpected. That's different? Yeah. It's different than David Montgomery. As you pointed out, Montgomery struggled. Today, But it's not necessarily out of character for Luke Getze. Uh, It was his first game as offensive coordinator, but the place where he came from, Green Bay, leaned on both their running backs. And and you and I have talked about this a lot this offseason. I bring it up probably too much, which is that they shared their carries between their starter and their backup almost exactly evenly last year. So I expected the Bears to to have a two-headed monster sort of thing, you know, and people would ask, what Bears fantasy player do I get? My line has always been Khalil Herbert in the last round, just because I'm not sure that anybody else is is yeah. is, is a steal. Uh, I think Montgomery had to be annoyed by that, but, you know, he punched it in and won the game. It, it's, you know, it's, it's a good problem to have, I think. If either of those running backs can start getting a, a decent average, you know, averaging three yards a game is, you know, pretty bad. And Khalil Herbert uh, got... 45 yards on nine carries. And even if you take out his long of 12, you're still talking about four yards per carry, okay. which which is a monster average in this game. Right. And especially compared to David Montgomery's 1.5. Um, I think that is telling. Mm-hmm. There's so there's so much of this work that we have to sit here and we got to be honest. And we got to have perspective and be reasonable and say, there's only so much you can tell from a game that is this out of the ordinary. Right. But I think the way that they used the running backs, the way they used Herbert and Montgomery, I think that does tell you something. The other part, as far as where the targets went, I think might just be total nonsense. That tells us nothing. When yes. you sit here and say, uh, Darnell Mooney got three targets, caught one pass for and it was yards. It was a bubble screen for eight yards. Cole Komet, one target, no catches. Um, Pringle. One catch. Two targets, one catch. Like, I... I mean, you're only talking about 17 targets to begin with. Right. I think it's probably going to end up being, you know, closer to 30 mm-hmm. most weeks. And that's probably nothing. I wouldn't overreact to that. Yeah, I don't think that's. I wouldn't a thing. make any judgments off that. I do probably make it off Khalil Herbert. Mm-hmm. I keep saying it the way Khalil Mack says it. It's Kyle. Khalil Mack. Khalil. Khalil Herbert. Herbert. Uh, I think Khalil Herbert getting those opportunities down the stretch is legitimate and is something you will see going forward. I think Equinemia St. Brown catching a touchdown. Uh, I, I think that. There could be some there, there, just because we hadn't really seen his production at all, um, you know, during camp. And part of that is, you know, he's a big-bodied receiver that I think they prefer, kind of as a blocker more than a pass catcher. Yeah. But you know, fun behind-the-scenes story, Jason, uh, as they were lining up, uh, uh, as they were lining up, was that a third-down play? 
um, I turn to you and I say, you know, I don't think Equinemius St. Brown is going to catch a lot of passes this year. And I agreed with you. And you said, uh-huh. And the Bears snapped the ball and threw a touchdown pass to Equinemius St. Brown. So uh, it, it goes to goes to show that uh, all it takes is me jinxing the situation. I think my exact uh, words were that I don't think he can get open. Right. And then he was more open than I've ever seen any wide receiver <laughs> in my life. Except for, ex- except for Dante except Pettis. Except for Dante Pettis earlier in the game. Yeah. Second most open. It was a great that – was, that's another part of that, Pat, is that it was a great – the touchdown pass to Equinemius St. Brown was a great play design mm-hmm. and perfectly executed. The lob was perfect. And the thing – the one thing other than Equinemius St. Brown uh, being a big guy that could block, the thing that they have talked about over and over and over is that – Coming from Green Bay, coming from working with Getze there, he knows this offense. He is always in the right spot. So he may not be the fastest guy to that spot, but right. he will always be where he's supposed to be. And that's that's got to feel really good when you're Getze and you design this perfect play, and then it works perfectly. Yeah, well, and I, I don't know how many Bears receivers can get open on their own uh, besides Darnell Mooney, quite honestly. So that might not leave him uh that might not make him particularly special but it's luke Getzey's job to scheme as many people open as he can and and on a game like today you just can't you can't read too much into it because if justin fields didn't know where the, where the ball was coming or where it was going every time it left his hand i don't think we can make grand judgments about it let's talk about the defense real fast and then we'll get out of here uh, game balls have been postponed till next week because mm. of, uh, of a shipping error i don't know whether wow. you know I don't know whether you know that um, that uh, you know just the worldwide you know shipping problems have really come down hard on Mark, on Mark Potash's game ball. The links that you're going to to cover for him. They also know. did you hear this too that you know the delivery was supposed to come today, but you know all the rain and stuff. Yeah, okay. It just it made right. Lakeshore Drive was just a, just impossible to go down today. Uh, defensively, Dominique Robinson that uh, was really interesting to me. You know. We'd brought him up earlier in the week to Alan Williams, the defensive coordinator, and somebody had referenced the two rookies they had on defense, talking about uh, Brisker and Gordon. Yeah. And, he, and he literally like cut the guy off and was like, no, 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 you got to put Robinson in there. And at the time, Robinson was like a limited participant in practice and, and somebody that we didn't think were going to – I didn't think would be on the, on the game day roster. Hadn't done much. Yeah, seemed like a guy that would probably be inactive. And all he did today was – Finished with a sack and a half. Uh, the full sack, I believe, came on third down. Uh, threw Trey Lance like a rag doll. In, in the first quarter. Yeah. He did that right away. Yeah, and, and this is this could be really interesting because I think you and I thought that he was probably going to be a red shirt this year. Kind of yeah. the classic Roy Robertson-Harris route or whatever where they bulk a guy up and don't play him a lot. Uh, but if he's playing early in games in week one, that's a really good sign, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, and if you're getting... Any kind of production, even if he ends up, you know, just fitting into that role as a backup defensive end, if you get that out of a fifth round rookie from a small program like Miami, Ohio, who, who was a wide receiver three years ago, yeah, 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 that's fantastic. That's a great get. And thus far, and I think it's worth bringing up that, you know, Braxton Jones struggled. I, I think today off and on. You know, that's probably to be expected. They all struggled on the old line. Yeah, that was not good. That's all. Yeah, that's probably to be ex- expected, but. You know, if you're day three draft picks, and Lord knows Ryan Poles had enough of them, but if your day three draft picks produce Braxton Jones and Dominic Robinson, and if they're as much a part of your team in week 18 as they are in week one, that's a really good sign. Plus so. Trenton Gilpet, other than the Powell situation, you got to love those punts. <laughs> no one appreciates punts like Chicago. And, uh, and oh, there was one more defensive point I wanted to get to, Jason. 
Well, you have the takeaways. You have they they shut down Trey Lance, um, the cornerbacks. Yeah, Risker was in the mix on a lot of things. Risker recovered that fumble that Jalen Johnson popped out. Yeah, there. Uh, yeah, it's it was good to see, and and I think I touched on this in my story that that Matt Eberflus preaches this takeaway stuff, and for it to happen on the first drive, I think is is uh, reassuring for all these guys who go through these hard practices and and uh, and you know and want to believe that they're doing it for the right reason. I want to see if he can keep that up because I have always believed that there's so much randomness to turnovers. Absolutely. That the only thing you can really do is have a great pass rush and see if that produces bad decisions or rushed decisions mm-hmm. by the quarterback. Now, for the most part, your turnovers are going to be random. And so I have not really bought a lot of his talk about making takeaways such a big part of things mm-hmm. because I just don't think you can control whether you get right. those or not. Sometimes it is literally the bounce of this oddly shaped Yeah, it's ball. like sitting there and saying it. goes to you or goes to someone else. Yeah. You don't know if it's going to. But Pat, day one, I mean, he's got his results. Yeah, it's like He's got his takeaways and, he, and they mattered enormously in the game. The, yeah, they did. Oh, uh, the thing I wanted to touch on was not defensive, but I, I think worth bringing up before we go. Tevin Jenkins started at right guard, uh, former second-round pick, rumored to be traded all offseason, said that he thought he might be traded, still didn't seem too thrilled once he made the team because I think he was still curious that he'd be traded. So he starts and all is right in the world, and then he comes out. Because Lucas Patrick, who was supposed to be the starting center but still has a hand in a cast, Mm -hmm. can't play center. So Patrick plays right guard, then Jenkins comes back in, and then Patrick goes back in. Yes. Do I have that right? Are there any more turns? They were there? alternating quite a bit. And uh, Matt Eberflus says this is all by design. Well, it's, it was by design after he broke his hand. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I don't think... This was the plan coming in, though, was to alternate them. And I don't believe that. I don't think that's the case. I think if Tevin Jenkins was in there doing great then and the offensive line was sturdy that they would not have pulled him, I think that there was... Neither guy was making a convincing case to stand. Lucas Patrick was, uh, had a, his right hand. He's got his broken thumb. And he had it completely clubbed up with a cast. Mm-hmm. But we, you and I saw him, watching him closely when he came into the game. He did not look to me like he was holding his own. No. He looked like he was holding a lot, right. but not holding his yeah. own. And I think that, I think he was on the field for, and we'll check this in film tomorrow. I think he was on the field for more of their scoring drives than Tevin was, mm-hmm. I believe. But it'll be interesting to watch, especially because they're going to Green Bay. On Sunday, and that's where Lucas Patrick played before he got lured away by uh, by the Bears standards, by a big contract uh, to come here. I think that once his hand is okay, I think he's an obvious upgrade at center uh, over over Sam Mustafer. But if he's not, and if he's not ready, it'd be really interesting to see what this does for Tevin Jenkins' confidence and and what it does for the Bears' ability to take a long look at Jenkins, who I would argue to you. They need to be more invested in than Lucas Patrick. Even though they're paying Patrick what they're paying him, I think the odds are better of Jenkins being on their next good team. Well, they got Alex Leatherwood, too. He's young, and he could... He was, what, in second or third year? I mean, he Second could, year. He could be a guy that plays guard or tackle for them. They're still working through all that. But they have been very consistently saying that they want to play the best guys. They have not been rigid about positions, as you've seen with mm-hmm. Tevin Jenkins. So uh, maybe there's some moves to make there. But... The offensive line had problems all the way across it from what I saw today. And this has been a glaring concern mm-hmm. as you 
you're the Bears and you say we need Justin Fields to prove himself to us mm-hmm. one way or another. Right. Because they definitely do. That you cannot get to the end of the season and not know right. on Justin Fields. You have to know now because if he's bad, if he's not your guy, you'll probably be picking very high in the upcoming draft and, and it's a good quarterback class. That's your chance. That's right. when you make the move. So you need to know by the end of it. If you have obscured your own evaluation of that with bad offensive offensive line play, mm-hmm. which Ryan Poles talked to us about that, Pat. Right. Day one on the job, he talked to us right. about that. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, yeah, all these problems. And he was talking about other problems besides their offensive line in Justin sure. Fields' rookie season. He was referring uh, implicitly to all of the Matt Nagy-related right. problems and right. the wide receiver problems and whatever else. But if you have not solved those problems, if he has to spend, if the basis of this offense is going to be Justin Fields scrambling for his life every play, it is going to obscure your evaluation of him, and it's not going to be good. It's not going to be a good offense that way. Well, and that's, that is one negative you can take from today, that if you have 17 games to figure out what you have in Justin Fields, this one gets thrown out. Yeah. And, you know, you have to give him credit for rallying them back. You have to get, give him credit for his ability to run around in circles and then find a wide-open dude a couple of times. But this is not a reflection of 99% of NFL games in the world. Yeah. And but next week will be. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about how they're playing the Packers. And, oh, the Packers are so good. Like, right. the, the Packers are an NFL team. This isn't like soccer where like they're right. in one league and you're in another. I don't know the names of all the leagues, but I know that the bad teams get sent mm-hmm. down to other leagues or whatever. Okay. Like This is in your division. Right. This, this is not, it's not unrealistic or unfair to use them to measure yourself, to compare Justin Fields against Aaron Rodgers. They're both NFL starting quarterbacks. And I know Aaron Rodgers is probably the best of all time at that position, but that he plays in your league, man. Right. And so next week you're playing against Green Bay. Mm-hmm. You can't that can't be a, a disclaimer to everything. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to compete against that team. You have to be able to be an offensive line that can handle that team's pass rush and be Justin Fields, who's got to keep up with uh, with Aaron Rodgers. You heard it from Jason. Relegate the Packers. Send them to the Sun Belt. Is that what you're saying? Or did I miss the point of view? Well, I think the Bears would get relegated in that situation. I guess so. Yeah. Sunbelt's pretty good now, too. Anyway, uh, that'll do it from here. We will be back later in the week to preview the Packers game and uh, get you guys all ready for that. Uh, For Mark Potash, who is far afield, he's Jason Leisure. I'm Patrick Finley. Be sure to like, rate, and review the podcast. Check us out online and in the actual newspaper as well. We will be back again real soon.